talk today about the divine life of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be on this subject for the next uh, three weeks, and we'll wrap it up on Pentecost Sunday, June 5th. And so we're going to stay in this vein, and my primary aim is, is for us to see how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together. They work and move together seamlessly. We have one God, but in three persons. And so I want to look at, that's going to be something along the way in the, today and the next three weeks that we want to keep on the forefront of how there's this movement of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes, and some of it has to do with church cultures and backgrounds, and sometimes there can be this just general reverence to God and God, and that's not a bad thing. It's appropriate, but sometimes that just kind of leaves you to wanting God is as though he's some distant being out there. But then when you start thinking of God as Father, now becomes a little more personal. And of course, we think that about Christ Jesus, and we remember the historic Jesus, and rightfully so, and we should never forget that it was Jesus in a very personal way who came and went to the cross, and, and, and he, he died on our behalf, you know. He was resurrected. And, and so in some circles, you have a lot of emphasis upon Jesus, and, and then you have other certain um, circles, a gathering of saints, where there's a special emphasis on Holy Spirit. And all of the above are good, and all of the above are so important. But I think it's beautiful to recognize how Father, Son, and Spirit work together and move together as one. Before we get a little bit more into that today, though, I want to just preface it with some thoughts about the Christian faith. The Christian faith is not about doing something to get us connected to God. All humans have been and already are connected to God, and they have been included in the shared life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all humans upon the earth. You see, faith is not something that gets us connected, that gets us reconciled. Faith is not something that we do or exercise that gets us justified, included, adopted, redeemed, and saved, because Jesus has already done this actually for all people. And so faith uh, is something of, of a bit different nature. The fundamental character of the Christian's faith is discovering, discovering and responding to the Father through Christ by the Holy Spirit, okay? Faith alone does not save any person. By grace are we saved, right? Apostle Paul, that's a great passage, Ephesians 2.8. By grace, God's grace has saved us through Christ's incarnation, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. And so <clears throat> the faith of Christ, though, that he has deposited a seed of faith within all people, it's already there. And uh, he, he deposits that. And then it's by the promptings, by the workings of Holy Spirit that we're awakened unto a faith towards Christ or a responsiveness towards Christ, who has always included us in his love and life, we were blind to that reality. And so faith is the ability to see light, to respond with a yes, and that becomes our personal salvation. 
And there's nothing more than person, nothing more significant than personal experience in life, okay? There's a lot of nice people in this world, but when we experience personally the niceness, the sweetness of another person, it then becomes something that's very impactful and meaningful to our lives. And so the Christian faith is discovering and embracing the reality that we were already reconciled to God as the whole world has been. Because he became human, died on the cross, and, and was resurrected. And, and, and faith is the discovery that all humans have been invited and included in the love and the life of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So faith is being able to see what already is a reality. Our faith doesn't make God do something on our behalf. Our faith is a simply a response to who he already is and what he has already done and what he is in process of doing and working in our world today. It's an awakening. It's a, it's a responsive. It's a yes in our spirit. And so this is like really, really important in order for us to come into a place of fellowship with our God as well as to, to have one. It's so easy to lapse into religious type thinking that somehow calls for a response from us needing to do something and keep doing something in order to feel included and, 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 and included in, in the life and the fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I say do, there certainly is a responsiveness on our part. Absolutely so. There are choices along the way, okay? But sometimes we get too much into the doing rather than resting in the being, We've already been included. Tell somebody next to you, you've been included. You're included by God. You've always been included. But thank God you came to a place where you had a spiritual awakening and you came to a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that has happened. But all of that happens by the work of Holy Spirit. None of us are smart enough to know that we need God. Left to our own, we will self-destruct. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But the discovery of Christ, discovery of truth in Jesus Christ, the truth of God, the truth of ourselves, and the discovery that we have been included in the divine circle of love and eternal life, this is what the Christian faith is all about. And that discovery impacts how we see ourselves and how we see other people. I find that so often we can be in this struggle of trying to attain a place of closeness with God. And sometimes we, it's like, I know better than that, but there's something within us that sometimes we, in that struggle, I'm trying to get to God. I want to get a hold of God. Part of that is because of a distorted gospel that has been presented around the globe that somehow everybody separated from God in the beginning. Basically chopped liver over here until one day you wake up to your senses, now God will come to you. The problem is it's not exactly what the scriptures say and it's not the experience of those who, who are in Christ. So when we come to the discovery of the reality who God is, is and we know that we're included and we see other people as already included into his life, it changes everything of our own attitude about ourselves and our attitude towards other people. What we tend to do 
What we tend to do is categorize people. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We have categories for people. And when you meet somebody for the first time, within about 30 seconds, we tend to put somebody into a category. Right? And it's somewhat based on their response to us. It can be based on their appearance. It can be based on what we know or don't know about them. And we have certain little categories. And this kind of a person we really like a lot. And we just like, man, I want to get to know that person. This person's like, you know, I mean, okay, if, if God really like wants me to have a friendship, okay. And then there's the other person I'd just soon not actually even see them again. I don't have any felt need whatsoever. Um, you know, and, and so we have categories. And then how many of you have found out that when you get to start getting to know somebody, sometimes you move them from one category to the next? <laughs> yeah, and that can go either way, right? Uh-huh. How about that most amazing person you first met, and, and, and now you start meeting, and after several coffees together, you go, eh, eh, now got to shift them over. <laughs> They're not as cool as I thought they were. See? And that's how we do. We have kind of this tribal spirit. This is my people. This is my kind of person. This person is not my kind of person for this reason, that reason, and the other, see? Why do you think Paul, by revelation of the Holy Spirit, he said, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, barbarian or Scythian. And he said, well, you always want to categorize people. And we size them up and we do this with each other. It's not authentic Christian faith. That's a religious type of thinking that we're so vulnerable towards. And sometimes Christianity can be reduced down to religious experiences and the strivings to try to be this, to please God, to be this or not be this for another person with expectations that another person needs to be this or that to please me. And so God help us that we're all in process, aren't we? We all can relate to some degree of what I just have spoken about. But the Christian's faith really is all about the focus on Christ. Let's talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit now. You see, the scriptures teach that there is one God that exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've got a little diagram, I think, on the screen here now. And I think this is just a, a real little, a little helpful uh, diagram that helps us understand is that how you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are one, uh, but yet they're distinct persons, okay? Uh, ancient church father, Irenaeus, uh, he lived between, he was born in 130 A.D., and he lived to about 202 A.D., but he made this distinction of the creator from creative beings, and I quote, I'm going to read, the Father is the source of creative activity, the Son brings creation into existence, and the Spirit arranges creation in a meaningful whole. The one God who creates is three. So you have Father, Christ, and Holy Spirit. They've always existed. They've never known anything but perfect union in love. They've not known anything else. Now, here's the cool thing. All of humanity is invited to share in that fellowship. Now, that is amazing. We struggle in our relationships here on earth. And quite honestly, we will. We will until that day 
whom we become fully alive with a resurrected body. They were no longer going to be pulled by this and that and the things of this world. So we're always in the struggle. But we've been included into that fellowship, which enables us to, to experience and to express the love of God in a way that is beyond just human affection. Paul gives us a little glimpse into the bond and the strength of the relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in his first letter to the Corinthians. And I'm going to take just a quick peek into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he's writing this whole letter to the Corinthians. He had spent time with them, had led them to encounter Christ. He said, I didn't come with persuasive words and all that, but demonstration and power of the Spirit. And now he's writing to them because there's a lot of stuff that they are working through relationally. They have some distorted perspectives of how they saw each other and how they saw God. And so much of 1 Corinthians, that whole book, is, is Paul giving some fatherly insight and fatherly instruction as to how they can live. And to get to what we call chapter 13, uh, in verse 13, he says, these, thing, uh, excuse me, these three things continue forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. These three things continue forever. They will always abide because they're the very attributes in the heart of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's what exists within their being, okay? Faith, hope, and love. And so these virtues are at the core of the Godhead, and they are what we are privileged to partake of. As being partakers of the divine nature of God is that we're privileged to be partakers of faith, hope, and love. And the, where this becomes integrated into our lives to such an extent, it affects how we think, how we live, how we relate with one another. And it's beautiful. It looks differently than some of the things that we struggle with and we fail along the way um, grappling with. But the life and the energy of this faithfulness and this hope flows out from the creator towards all created beings producing growth, healing, and newness of life. And that's why that we recognize that any time that we see these things lacking, where there's a lack of faith and hope and love and, and honor and well-being, it simply means that we need to draw closer to our God, responsiveness with our heart, so that his likeness may be imparted to us, so that we find ourselves um, uh, just more naturally, not just trying with human effort to say, okay, I guess I better love now, you know, okay? Um, you, you know the saying, how, how many times you heard somebody say, well, I don't have to like them, but I got to love them. That's not love. That's not love. That's something contrived. To put on a, a, religious, a religious thing. I've got to try to put on some kind of a front or got to kind of force myself into it. You see, the more that we drink of the river of life by the Holy Spirit and partake in the divine fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, guess what? We take on these things and likeness of Christ. Right? So if it's lacking, it's not like, 
I guess I better try harder. Next time I see Jordan, I'm going to try harder now to put on a little more of that love stuff. And how many of you know if you go try to do that towards Jordan, he, I mean, he, he see the phoniness of that right off the get-go. He's like, that's not real. You're just trying. You're just trying to be nice to me. How many of you know what that's like? When somebody puts that religious act on just trying to be nice, none of us like it. And I'm sure none of us have ever done it. What we need, it's okay to say, why don't we, you know what would be a lot better? You say, honestly, I just don't have any love in my heart for that person whatsoever. Rather than try to fool ourselves, I don't like them, but, but boy, I love them in Jesus. No, just say, I don't love them. <laughs> be real with, our, with yourself. It's okay. See, see that's just okay. What I'm trying to say is Christ doesn't condemn us for that. We're in a struggle we're learning, we're growing, we're being stretched. What we want to do is to take on and absorb his likeness. It's really within the very core of our being, but sometimes it gets all covered up by all kinds of junk and thinking uh, of this world and the things that we've taken on. Sometimes it's even a part of our own woundedness is a reason that we can't love in the way that Christ loves. And so we have certain reactions. Sometimes there's certain people or certain things about some people that trigger us, right? And you may not even recognize that. Worse yet, you may spiritualize it and think that your trigger is Holy Spirit. When in reality, it's the trigger is out of your own woundedness. Yeah. Hey. I'm like everybody else, you know. I still keep learning stuff about myself. And I heard somebody say, God help him. I, I, that's when I, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate that prayer you just breathed. So Paul, as he moves on in his ministry, we have a cool story. I know I've referred to it several times, but I want to show you how Holy Spirit works so beautifully. And I want to go over to Acts 17 because Paul here is in this ministry. And uh, <clears throat> Paul was actually, well, i got to leave that part. But, but Paul was called to go to Athens. Um, and so he's in Athens and... He's on the streets, streets, and in Acts 17, the scriptures simply say that he was preaching Christ and the resurrection. Well, I, I, I like that. It's very beautiful because what it doesn't say that he was out preaching sin and demonic influence and demonic deception. He was simply preaching Christ. How many of you know that's a beautiful gospel? To preach Christ his love for the whole world. He's the savior of the world. He died for everyone. He's already forgiven everyone. He rose to newness of life. He's raised humanity. I want you to awaken unto this reality. That's good news. I don't know of any person who would um, reject that. At least be willing to say, ah, dude, that doesn't make sense. But okay, okay. And that's exactly what happens. They were like, what is this dude talking about? So they pull him together, and I don't have this uh, passage on the, uh, uh, on the screen here, but 
Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are all religious in all respects. And while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, I proclaim to you. What I want to show with you, share with you is this was Holy Spirit-style evangelism. What's really, really amazing to me, and this has everything to do because of Paul's perception of God and how he viewed God's attitude towards all people. Now, the first thing that Paul does affirms them for being religious, for having a heart to know God, and for being worshipers. He didn't say, all right, you bunch of pagans, you got them idols there. What's wrong with you? You must be deceived by demonic stuff all over town. I see it. No such remote thinking in Paul. Paul recognized that these are fellow beloved human people who have been created just as he was created. And they were simply responding to this yes in their heart. I want to worship because of the spirit activity that was already going on in their lives. They're created, made in the image and likeness of God. Holy Spirit was working somehow, some way with them, and they are doing the best they had with the understanding. So they thought, okay, we'll make an object here, and, and this, is, this is a God. This, well, this represents God. So if we come and present ourselves before this object of worship, then God will be pleased because our hearts, we, we need to worship God. And you know what Paul says? All right, you guys, this is amazing. You have a heart for God. Paul recognized Holy Spirit activity. He didn't demonize them. He rather affirmed them. A Christian ought to affirm every person in the world and a person of any and every kind of religion that doesn't really have a Christ-centered focus as Redeemer and Savior. We ought to be affirming people because there's a responsiveness in their heart to know God and to be able to worship Him and have an actual personal experience and relationship with Him. Sometimes Christians are the worst is pointing out all the 99 reasons why this is not of God and this is not of God and that's not of God and this is of the devil and the other. If you have to talk about the devil to preach the good news, it's probably off track. You know, I noticed that Paul just doesn't do devil talk. He recognized the Holy Spirit at work because Paul himself recognized as a Jewish zealot that actually had Christians um, persecuted and killed, his heart's intention were right. He thought he was honoring God. He, he, was, off, he, was, out of, he was off track, but his heart's desire was to please God. Then he encountered Christ, and it's like, whoa, my goodness. He had a changed perspective. But Paul was ignorant of the reality of Christ and who he actually was. Thus, he was actually um, having people persecuted because, for those who believed in Christ and were following after Christ. 
It's so interesting that we have a lot of grace for ourselves when we're groping around in darkness. But somehow when we find a measure of light, and you you can apply this to any area of life. When we sometimes as humans come to understanding in any given area, and let's include that being a spiritual area, is that somehow it's so easy to look at other people and say, what is wrong with them? I love the old song, Amazing Grace. I once was blind. Everybody say, I once was blind. Now I see. See, that's a reality for all of us. We need to remember that we're all in process. Do you realize that all of us have a measure of blindness today? How many of you would like to stand up in the room and come and testify that now you fully know God? You see the fullness of light. And your life is a perfect reflection of Christ Jesus. Of course. (laughs) None of us are that kind of a fool would do it. What it means is each of us have a measure of blindness and a measure of ignorance. And the quicker we become aware of that, the greater the opportunity there is to grow. If all I do is rehearse what I've always understood and known about God through Christ Jesus and all I've ever understood of Scripture to this day, and I'm just going to rehearse it one more time and convince myself how right I am, you just absolutely put up a total roadblock to personal growth. I think but every day of my life, I want to get up and say, God, I believe I'm a beautiful work in process because you said it something like that, so okay. But I'm in process. I still don't know fully and understand you. I only know in part, and I see in part. I know there's blinders, blindness in areas of my life that others may realize, but I don't see it yet. I know there's probably inconsistencies, God, but I thank you that you love me anyhow, and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with me, and you're continually leading me to better understand you, Lord, to experience you. And I thank you that I'm just one of eight billion people. I was all in process. Therefore, today, there's no them and us in my heart. Won't be to me, God, that if I should take put somebody in the category of, well, they're the dumbbells because they don't see. They're spiritually dark, but I'm in the light. Oh, God, forgive me for that. Help me to recognize that I'm in process like everyone else. I hope you're making sense of what I'm saying. So Paul affirms them. He didn't berate them or tell them or remind them that they were sinners. He didn't tell them they were separated from God. Oh, maybe Paul forgot that part. (laughs) Thank God Paul knew better. That's why he didn't say that. Paul actually saw Christ-like qualities within them. He saw they were worshipers. They were actually devoted to God. So much so so that they took all the time and effort to make these religious objects so they had a place to come and bow and worship. That's devotion. That's a heart that's turned towards God but just, just doesn't quite have the connection. 
Paul didn't address their moral behavior. Oh, you men of Athens, some of you are fornicators, adulterers, drunkards. Do you think the men of Athens, that they all that gathering up there, that they were all without sin and perfect people? I doubt it. They probably had a whole lot of issues going on like a lot of us in our world. Do you know what Paul did? He was a man of the spirit. And the man of, a, of the spirit is not a moralist who measures everybody according to their moral behavior. But a man of the spirit, as Paul was, he saw God in them and what God was already working in them. And he affirmed them for who they were and what God was already doing rather than pointing out their lack of behavior and, and, and righteous deeds. Wow. If you guys are getting half as inspired as I am about Paul, oh my goodness. So now Paul, he goes on in Acts chapter 17, and he, verse 24, he says, he said to them, uh, oh, I, I know what, what in, in the last part of verse uh, 23, he says, therefore, he said, I found this altar with an inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, I proclaim to you. This is amazing, guys, because you know what he's saying? You already have a God connection. You're actually worshiping the best way that you know how, but you're ignorant of who you're actually worshiping. It's just what it says right there in the scriptures. You can read any version you want. Go look at the comments. That's what he's saying. Let me tell you about the one that your heart is turned towards, the one that you want to experience in your life, the one that you want to, to feel the embrace of. Let me tell you about that one. And then he starts off. I think we have this on the screen now. Verse 24, the God who made the world and all things in it. So he starts way out here. Here's God. He's the creator. He made the world. All things. He is the Lord of the heaven and earth. Hey, guys, but I need to tell you something. He doesn't dwell in that which is made with human hand. He's not limited to these objects. Man, your hearts are so right on. You're here to worship God. But I, I want to tell you that the, the God that you're actually turning your hearts towards, it, it's not bound to this image. You, you can't contain him. He's God. He's everything. He's everywhere. He's in all. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath in all things. Here's Paul, the bigger picture guy. You know, Paul does this multiple times in several letters. Always the bigger picture here. God in all. Christ in all. In everything. All things. Wow. And then he says, and he made from one man. Who's that responding to? Adam. So he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitations. 
So it was God himself that created the beauty of ethnic groups and placed people on the earth and in the places that are habitation. That's something so beautiful. And so Paul is affirming this. Having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. You know what he's telling? Just like you guys are doing. You have been placed here within this boundary, geographical region, and your hearts, by the Holy Spirit, he hadn't said that yet. This is what's going on. By the activity of Holy Spirit, there's something stirring within. I want to worship. I want to be a worshiper. It's how God made him. And he's saying that they would seek God if perhaps they might even be groping for him. And the only reason you grope, you grope when you're still in darkness, right? Or a measure of darkness. Every time I go into this storage room back here, I have to grope. There's a light here that's supposed to come on that has a motion sensor on it. I went in the other day and bumped my shin because the silly light wouldn't come on. And something jumped out. Fortunately, it wasn't one of those real bad ones, but it, just enough that, it, ouch, I'm groping, right? We grope because we're in darkness. The gods of this world blind the eyes of them that believe not. Okay? So Paul is telling them that they might grope for him, find him. Though he's not far from each one of us. Do you see this beautiful gospel that Paul is laying out? This is Holy Spirit anointed type of conversation with people who don't have a personal relationship with Christ as we've come to appreciate and understand. Did you notice nowhere in this is Paul saying, and God, he's way out there somewhere because you've been separated from him because you're so evil and sinful. You're separated from God. And there's this great chasm that lies between God and you. Did you see anywhere in that text? Have you ever seen anywhere in Scripture actually where it says that? I haven't found it yet. So he's saying you're groping because you're ignorant. But let me inform you. Let me speak the truth and the reality of what is. And that's what Paul is saying. He's not far from each one of you. As a matter of fact, in him we live and move and have our being. Every human lives and moves and has their being in God by Christ the creator. And then Paul goes along and says, we are children, then being children of God. I love how Paul, by the spirit here, affirms that God is a supreme being who created the world. He's not limited to live within the confines of human construct, um, how God made one man, God put a desire within every human to seek and know their creator. Well, this is one of the most powerful messages that Paul has ever preached right here. And if they grope for him, they'll find him. He's not far away because he's actually already, you have this union with God by virtue of creation and the incarnation and the finished work of Christ. Although you're blind to the reality and you're still dead in your sin, but yeah, here's the reality of what is. And then Paul goes on to say, yes, and he goes the next verse saying to men, he's saying to men everywhere to repent, turn towards him. 
because there's a day that will come he will judge the world in righteousness. You know what was so beautiful? Up to this point, they were ignorant, had no understanding, but their hearts long. There was this Christ connection to the extent that they were going to do something to try to connect with God. You know, there are billions of people around the world today, many of who are doing something to try to connect with their creator. And I applaud and affirm them. Our Muslim brothers and sisters, all of those in Islam, I say, I bless your heart. You long to know your God, to worship him. Here's some things that you may not be aware of. Let's talk about some other perspectives here of Christ that you may not have ever heard or understand. But I affirm you. You're like me. We were created with this longing to be a worshiper. How many of you know that kind of a gospel presentation has much more results? Yeah. It's always the accuser of the brethren to tell people what they aren't and to hold over their head something that isn't so they have to do something to attain spirituality. That's the way the enemy of our soul works, see? That's religion. That's vain religion. And the enemy of our soul actually capitalizes on that because he wants to get people busy working to try to attain some place of righteousness in God. I need to do this. I've got to quit doing that. And if I start doing this, and the enemy says, oh, that's good, man. Look at all that energy spent. That's going to stress them out. It's going to affect their marriages. It's going to affect how they are in every way. Ooh, that's good. We just want them religiously busy. And God says, whoa, chill. Here's the reality of who God is, who Christ is. He's not far. He's close. He's here. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded ourselves of the reality that he's with us and that we're with him. Even when we don't feel like it at times, we need to be encouraged. And so God, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, um, some of these listeners on Mars Hill awaken, it says, and they followed Paul. He, he, he didn't have an altar call on Mars Hill. No record. They simply said they believed, and, they, and some of them followed Paul. All of a sudden, that longing in their heart goes, oh, this is that which my heart longs for. It's a work of Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. It's powerful. That's how God works. You know how Apostle Paul was so effective in this? Is because Paul himself actually um, recognized later on, and he was writing to the uh, a letter to the church at Galatia, and he was reaching back into the course of his life, and um, Paul said, "For you have heard of my former manner. I don't have this one on screen, guys." manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, 
being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Paul, Paul, Paul is just doing what he thought pleased God, right? That's what he was doing. He, 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 he didn't understand the realities of Christ. But when God, who has set me apart, even in my mother's womb, there's the work of the Holy Spirit right there. Work of the Holy Spirit. You remember Elizabeth, little John leaped within the womb, leapt within the womb of Elizabeth. When the Holy Spirit, he was subject to Holy Spirit. So the little child, those of you who are carrying children within the womb, and <clears throat> such the reality is, Holy Spirit's very present. Holy Spirit is working. Holy Spirit is already at work. And Paul says that God who had set me apart, even in my mother's womb, and he called me through his grace while still in the womb. Does that sound like Holy Spirit activity? That sounds like God activity. And so all of the little children and all the little children around the world that are in the wombs of their mothers, God is very much at work already. And here's when Paul says, it was pleased, God was pleased to reveal his son in me. Not to me, in me. Go read it in any version. It makes it very clear. The Greek is within, in, in me. God was already at work in Paul within the womb. And then as Paul goes on and he's out doing this religious persecution, he has a spiritual awakening unto Christ. But before that, as Paul describes, I was still dead in my sins and trespasses. I, I was not spiritually awakened and spiritually alive. I had not responded in faith. I, I was doing what I thought was good. And so Paul has a great heart for all people. And that's why Paul is so inclusive. And Paul works so hard again and again and again. He, 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 he as a father talks to the Corinthians. He talks to the Galatians about division, 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 division. Because that's what we're always wanting to do is categorize people. Are they in? Are they in my club? Out of my club? Are they among my favorites? Are they not among my favorites? Are they in, in God's, has God included them or not? And we spend a lot of energy and that's what religion does. And it's why things get so crazy messy at times too much energy and the apostle Paul sees the bigger picture God has already included everyone well some of these men joined and believed none of them had dramatic uh, encounters with God up in Mars Hill at least there's no record of it some people do when they come to that aha moment and say yes to Christ, have some really dramatic encounters. Some of you have. I've heard the stories. Um, and others, it's like, no, I just simply had this sense like, this is right. And you begin your journey and walk with God in the Christian faith. Others have this, wow, bam, knockdown moment, sometimes literally on the floor or the ground. And that's kind of like their initial awakening. But they too are on the journey of faith as we all are. Well, that's enough for today. <clears throat>
probably more than enough for today. But I'm so excited to continue on this theme for the next three weeks and see how God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit work. The scripture has so many references to how that the three work together. And we see it actually here today. And I'm grateful for this guy named Paul that God has used to pen so much of the New Testament scriptures. And I want to invite you to just stand with me this morning. I want to just affirm to you that God is with you. And if any one of you are here and you're, you're on that journey to, to explore uh, God, just I bless you. I bless you. I even pray that today maybe maybe could be of some help in some way to maybe have a um, maybe a more clear perception of, of who God is and how he sees us. And the reality is this, that he wants every person to come to a personal yes and faith response to Jesus Christ and have that closeness of fellowship with him. And that's, that's his desire for the whole world. So God, thank you so much for your amazing love, your amazing grace. And we thank you for allowing us to know you and to represent you. And I pray that we might um, come to um, make way for your work in our hearts, God. You're working in all of us. It's just in little different ways. But we say, God, we, we recognize that we struggle in certain areas of our lives, maybe mentally, physically, maybe with attitudes, struggle with relationships. We're all in process Thank you for your patience and kindness towards us. Thank you for the nudgings of your spirit. Thank you for enabling us to experience faith, hope, and love as exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name I pray, amen and amen.